Hello, B2B marketers. Welcome back to the Marketing Bound Podcast, where we help you, a new B2B marketer, look good at work every day by offering tangible marketing strategies, giving you access to the best minds in the industry, and helping boost your confidence in your skills. I'm your host, Laura L. Bernhard, and today we're going to have a candid chat about what it's like to enter the workforce, specifically in B2B marketing, just out of school, or from another career, or if you were in B2C marketing. So I got this idea for this episode because I was interviewed by my friend Mason and I will link the full interview in the comments below, but he interviewed me about my experience and the last eight years that I've been practicing marketing. And I thought, yeah, there are so many people who have probably went through the same thing Because even while I was telling my story, Mason was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that happened to me as well. So I thought, hey, my audience members are probably on the same page and feel alone about what they're going through. So I thought, let's just put it out there and you guys can give me some feedback whether or not you liked it. So I went to university, I took marketing I graduated, got a job in B2B marketing. And I remember in the first few months thinking, what the heck is this? (laughs) How was I so wrong about marketing? I thought marketing was supposed to be creative and there's like, you know, basically I thought it was ads for a very long time. I'm like, (laughs) why are there no ads happening? Like, why am I sitting in front of a desk? You know, I was very confused about what B2B marketing was. And I think that's partially because we're so exposed to B2C marketing. So think about buying lipstick or buying running shoes. That is B2C marketing. That is for consumers targeting one individual, right? So if I want to buy shoes, I get targeted with all these ads. I decide if I want shoes or not. In B2B, it's a little bit different because suddenly you're not just targeting one person, you're targeting an entire organization, you're targeting maybe their processes, and you're trying to get into or you're trying to get aligned with their pain points as an organization. And all of a sudden, you have to start considering way more variables than you previously thought that you had to. So like right away... In university, I don't know about your courses in university or your certificates that you took, but they do not represent B2B marketing very well. Well, not at all, basically. (laughs) They talk about like, you know, your ideal customer. They talk about the different channels that you can distribute. They talk about, honestly, when I was in school, they, they didn't even have like social media. I was in school like eight years ago. So just to give you an idea, some perspective. And at the time, like social media was kind of new. 
So anyway, all that to say is that when I entered the workforce, I was shocked. It was not what I expected at all. And then you kind of enter this workspace where marketing is kind of an afterthought. Like you can tell they've been running the business without marketing because there is zero branding. They have no social media presence. They just don't think about marketing the way you do, right? They think marketing is just, okay, you got to get leads and you got to give them to sales and that's it. And that's also confusing because that's not what we're taught. That's not what we're told that you have to do. What we're told to do is build relationships. And so all very confusing. So that's that was like my first six months, I guess, a little bit confused. But I did quickly realize that, you know, if I want to work here, I have to adapt. I have to figure out how I'm going to make my mark on this company or else, or else I'm going to quit. Because again, it just wasn't aligned with my expectations. And I'm not saying that this place was a bad place to work. It was actually great. And I'll talk about that later. But it was just so different than what I thought it was going to be. And another thing that kind of shocked me a little bit was that they saw marketing as an expense. As like, oh, like you need budget. And if those dollars from that budget don't turn into a lead, then it's a waste of money. So like, I don't know, the first thing that I can think of is like a logo design. That doesn't necessarily directly lead to a lead, right? And therefore considered an expense. And I know obviously it costs money, but that's as marketers, that's not how we see marketing. We see marketing as essential. And now more than ever, my gosh, everyone needs marketing. Everyone needs a personal brand. Like it's just so necessary. And another thing I noticed is when marketing is kind of like an afterthought, they're not approaching marketing the way you and I would. And so I had to do a lot of explaining as to why I would suggest certain ideas. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Oh, just like why we shouldn't copy paste a blog into a social media post or why our blogs should not be about our company. You know, things like that. Blogs should be informative. Blogs should be about the pain points of our target audience. And so although at first this really caught me off guard and I was like, why do I have to explain myself? Like this doesn't make any sense. In the end, it actually taught me how to think my ideas through. And whether or not you are questioned at your job right now, I actually highly recommend you thinking about oh, what if someone said no, like, I don't understand this? How would you respond? Because after, you know, three, four, five, six months, I started getting really good at saying, oh, I think we should do this because A, B, and C. And now I see that that's such a great skill to have. But at the time, I was obviously very confused. Very, very confusing. (laughs) And before I mentioned that it was a great place to work at, and I just want to go into... A little bit more detail because that kind of environment can be very hard to work in 
However, what made it good is that I made sure that I was constantly learning in that environment. Once you stop learning, you should change jobs. There's no doubt in my mind. Once you stop learning, once you're not encouraged to try new projects or get a new certificate or, you know, just exercise your new skills, look for another job. And so I took a bunch of certificates while I was there. You know, they encouraged me to try new projects and I even pioneered, well, I pioneered a lot of projects and one of them was an event, okay? And you're thinking, oh my goodness, why would you mention hosting an event for a hundred people with sponsors and you have to do all the promotion by yourself? You have to get people there, you have to get the sponsors and you have to do all the promotion. And I think that's where a lot of people in nine to fives get it wrong. That event was crazy. I won't lie. I don't encourage you to do an event. It would. It was crazy. However, it did benefit the company and it made me look good. They got leads from the event. We developed partnerships and relationships with people in the industry that we would have otherwise not talked to. We increased our brand awareness locally, which was all amazing. And A side effect, I guess we can call it, that I was not anticipating is that that event, because as I was trying to get people to this event, I would attend other events to try to tell people about this event to get them to come. I was really trying hard, guys. And so as I went to these other events, I started meeting very interesting people. And that led me to start this podcast. So it's crazy how things work because that event, although I was super stressed, it's something I really wanted to do because I wanted to exercise or even just learn new skills, practice how to manage events, practice how to do promotion, practice how to host a local event, everything, all that stuff. And a side effect of it was actually meeting really, really awesome people. And that gave me the idea to think about, hey, like everybody should know about these stories of these people because they're so great. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should have like start a podcast. And that's what happened. And now this podcast, which is crazy, like the next episode is my 100th episode that is wild so thank you everyone who's come along this journey but all that to say is this podcast has absolutely changed my life and it's all started because of that event because I wanted to make sure that I was still learning at this job I wanted to pioneer a project to make sure that I was still growing in that job So wherever you are, make sure that you're constantly learning every day, every week. And that's, that's one really good example. Now, again, I don't, I don't suggest an event. It was actually crazy. 
But that's a really good example as to what made it good is that they gave me the freedom to do that event. And obviously I had to sell it to them, but I made really good points. I was like, you know, we're in a saturated market where we can be very, very local and win in the local market. And a great way to do that is with like a mini conference. And let me tell you, everybody that attended that conference loved it. We ended up getting extremely good speakers. It was an AI conference, by the way. And this was in 2018. So it was kind of before there were a million AI conferences. So it was very unique as well. Anyway, it turned out really, really good. Everyone loved it. Everyone was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next one. But then then they didn't want to do it again because we kind of shifted gears away from AI. And so it just didn't make sense anymore, which was unfortunate. It was a really good event. So that's what made it good. That's, that's I think, is a primary reason to stay at any job is when you know you're still learning. So... I also want to talk about another project that I at least suggested in this company. And that is, I was paying attention to their workflow. So the way it worked is that people would sign up, leads would come through the website, they would fill out a form, it would go into Salesforce, and then the salespeople would take the leads and reach out to them. Now, that is very, how do I put this, Um, inefficient (laughs) because they would get quite a few leads every single month, like a hundred of them. So if you get a hundred leads and you have to follow up manually, I don't know, 12 times, do you really think the salespeople were following up with them 12 times? Of course not, because probably 50% of those leads were garbage right? So the first month I was there, I learned about this project. And because I was very new, I wasn't taken very seriously. But I suggested that we do email marketing. I was like, why don't we connect a program to this, these forms on the website? And we can nurture them for like four to eight to 12 emails, however many you want. And then the ones that respond can go to sales. And so that's what we did. And we immediately increased response rate by like 100%, I think it was. It was wild. Now, again, it took me a long time not a long time, I think maybe just a month to convince them of this, but their excuse was like, this is how we always did it. We don't, we don't want to change now. And so you're thinking like, well, how did, how did you convince them? And this is, this is important in objection handling. And that is to identify what's important to the company that you're working for. In my case, what was very important to them was like how small the marketing budget was. So it's like, oh, how much are we going to spend on this program? Number one. And then number two was the sales team. There was a lot of focus, a lot of value on the sales team. So I found a tool 
that was like $50 a month. Oh, it's called autopilot. You guys can still find it. Autopilothq.com, I believe. I'll also link that in the comments below. And I actually just recommended it at my current job because I absolutely love that program. So I found this tool. It's like $50 a month for 2000 contacts. So I was like, guys, I'm like we just don't surpass the 2000 limit and it's only $50 US. So one objection handled. The other objection was, well, the other thing that they valued was a sales team. And so I told them, I said, well, if we automate all of these emails, sales can focus on the most qualified leads and don't have to waste their time with garbage. (laughs) Ta-da! And I was like, oh, well, maybe we should try it. And I also noticed that they never wanted to commit to something long-term. They were more like, okay, let's try it for a little while. And then if it doesn't work, we get rid of it. But if it works, we'll keep it. So I also emphasize, well, we can just try it for like two, three months. And if it doesn't work, we'll remove it. Oof. By the time I left that job, they were using autopilot for everything. Like everything went through autopilot. It was pretty crazy, actually. Because they were like, this is amazing. It saves sales so much time. So... That's definitely, I'm definitely proud of that one. I know they still use it for sure. They must. So those are a few projects that I introduced to this company that I know still benefits them today. And those are a few strategies I use to convince them to take on these projects, which I know that you guys can use as well. Just determine what they value the most and then use that in your arguments. Use that to your to build up your story as to why they should change things. Another thing I'm super proud of that I helped them do is niche down. Now, let me tell you, I completely understand how scary it is to niche down because you're thinking, "Oh my goodness, the target audience is so much smaller. How am I, you know, going to make money? How am I going to reach these people? And the reason I know that is with my podcast. So this podcast, I used to target entrepreneurs, service-based entrepreneurs. I thought that was niching down. It is not. And then eventually, if you guys listen to my trailer, you guys know, but I was like, why am I talking about marketing for entrepreneurs? Like I'm not an entrepreneur, but I was a new university student that was so confused with B2B marketing. Why don't I help those people? Because that's what I would have loved when I was younger. And so my niche, even if you look at my LinkedIn profile, all I talk about is helping new B2B marketers, which is very niche. And as soon as I changed my LinkedIn profile, people started messaging me saying, hey, I'm new to B2B. I can use your help in blank. And I only, I only changed it like, I don't know, two months ago. 
and I've talked to some of those people on the phone. I have catered a lot of these episodes to what they've asked me about. And so I think it's like, I'm not trying to gain any revenue, but I'm trying to get listeners. I'm trying to build a community around new B2B marketers and building a safe space for them to learn and not feel ashamed that they don't know everything. As a marketer, no marketer knows everything. Just so if you guys didn't didn't know, like you're never going to know everything. I'm, I'm still learning. I've been in marketing for eight years and not because, okay, yes, there's so much to learn, but also things are changing all the time. There's no way that somebody knows it all, all at once. It's impossible. And just like that, I niched down. Very scary to do because I was super broad before. So going back to the company I worked for, I constantly suggested, let's just focus on one product or on one version of the product. Like just let's just be so niche and then just help one segment of our target audience. Just one. And that is so hard for a small business. So you you really can't blame them. You can't blame any small business because when revenue is tight, you're just going to try to get revenue from everywhere. You're going to spend extra time that you shouldn't be spending to make sure you get that revenue. And so in this case, that's what they ended up doing. They didn't want to niche down because they're like, well, how are we going to sustain the business? That's not sustainable. In the end... Before I left, I suggested that they start sponsoring podcasts for a very specific niche. And I had that idea because I had my podcast at the time. And so again, they didn't want to commit to it, but they they were open to trying it. And we tried it and it worked. It generated leads. I don't, I really don't remember what like how many leads they got, but we had just started the project before I left, like maybe a few months. And I'm happy to announce that I saw a few ads on LinkedIn from them and they're still implementing, they're still executing that strategy, which is awesome because I know it was my idea. What? I don't know if my former manager would agree with me now, but I will message him and remind him. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) So I just wanted to tell you about my experience that, trust me, it was very confusing. You know, you're dealing with people who might not understand marketing the way you do. And trust me, It's not because they know less, they just know different things. Every marketer I speak to knows different marketing than I do. That is why I invite guests on my podcast because all that stuff might help you. And sometimes it it helps me, it really does. So that's a little summary of how I got started in my career in B2B marketing. It was confusing. I focused on learning and that brought me a lot of opportunities and a lot of wins within the company. And so if you like this episode, definitely let me know. But with that, 
thank you so much for being here and I'll catch you next week. Now comes the fun part. Subscribe to the Marketing Bound podcast to catch every single episode and make sure to leave a review so we can take the show to the next level. 